earn and redeem reward points when you order McDelivery via the My Maccas app. Value means more at Maccas. Welcome to the Maccas Run. Ah, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you and welcome to the Maccas Run. It's a new season for the McSpicy Range at Maccas. We catch up on all the doings. What's making news, what's causing conversations and what's causing you to call in on the Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 Your say on the news of the day. That's what the Maccas runs all about for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's, your move, your Harcourt's for all things sport. Uh, you can speak to me. Uh, the temper text is open for business as well. The 40 Winks temper text, temper pro, temper's most adaptive mattresses ever. Uh, here, temper a mattress like no other. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Harcourt's open line, the temper text, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Plenty to get through over the next half hour, so let's just get you up to speed on what's been happening at the tribunal tonight. Busy, busy night. Dan Butler, Ryan Mansell and James Sicily all up or will be up this evening. So let's start with Dan Butler. He has successfully got off his dangerous tackle charge. The Saints successfully arguing that Dan Butler's tackle on Nick Blakey, not dangerous. The tribunal finding that he did release the arm as early as he reasonably could. So uh, the AFL uh, argued that the Saints argued uh, successfully that he had, uh, that there was no alternative to, uh, to the way in which Dan Butler tackled Nick Blakey. Uh, the AFL disagreed. They believe that uh, he did not let Blakey's arm go with enough time for him to sufficiently brace uh, for impact. Uh, Dan Butler disagreed, so too did St Kilda. Um, they pointed to the Rory Laird dangerous tackle against Lockie Neal um, as a reason as to why they believe that Dan Butler should have got off, uh, saying that every situation is different, but if a player slows instead of slinging, if he releases or doesn't pin a defensive arm, all things being equal, he may be demonstrating a reasonable attempt to avoid or minimise harm to his fellow player. They said the question in these circumstances will always be whether the tackler has done enough to convert a potentially dangerous tackle into a tackle that is not dangerous. Uh, the AFL argued that the tackle fell below uh, what a reasonable player would consider as prudent in all circumstances, given the arm was pinned and not released in time. They also argued that they believed there was a second motion. Um, the AFL, though, in the findings said, we find that given the speed at which Butler was travelling and the angle from which he approached the tackle, it was inevitable that he would tackle Blakey to ground. The question is, how did he execute the tackle? Was the method reasonable in all the circumstances? We're not persuaded that this was that this was a two-action tackle. So they didn't believe that Butler drove Blakey into the ground with his legs. Uh, they noted that he had dropped to the side and had no real power from the commencement of the tackle. Uh, they also found that he did not drive Blakey to the ground with his arms. Blakey fell to the ground. Uh, Butler fell to the ground with Blakey as a, as a result of the momentum of the tackle. Uh, Butler made a conscious decision to release Blakey's arm so that he might brace for impact. Uh, they said so the question is not whether he released in time for it to be effective, though we find that it did slightly help Blakey to brace for contact. The question is whether he did so early as he reasonably as early as he reasonably could. They believe that he did. So Dan Butler uh, gets off at the tribunal. So I think that is a win for common sense. Uh, and also, too, if you want to be, if you're in the fabric of the game um, uh, camp, then that is a win for you as well. Uh, Ryan Mansell, his bump on James Aish. Uh, James Aish, according to the Dockers' medical report, is expected to miss two 
or more matches as a result of the contact. Um, the AFL believing that it was a bump, and even if it wasn't, uh, it was rough conduct. So they rough conduct. So they wanted a three-match suspension. Um, Mantle arguing that if he kept running straight on, he would have opened himself up and both of them up to injury. So um, he said he didn't think he had any other option but to protect himself. He said he didn't believe that he could have tackled James Aish, and he also argued that he couldn't slow down at the point that Aish reached the ball, um, and he did not agree that he ran through Aish. Um, unfortunately, though, for the Tigers, um, that argument has been unsuccessful. The AFL argued that Mansell could have slowed down or or slowed even... He could have tackled or slowed down slightly. If this doesn't constitute a bump, what is it then? So um, the details of that argument are still coming to hand, but David Zeta doing a very good job of updating us, uh, courtesy of Fox Sports. So the Tigers countered the argument by saying Mantle was bracing but was not driving through in a classic bumping motion. They said that Mantle's attack on the ball was legitimate and it was genuine. Who was going to get the ball was dependent on that final bounce, which saw the ball enter Ace's hands. Uh, he said They said that he braces himself as late at the last possible moment. If this was a player who was lining up another player to bump, you would see that motion occurring earlier, which I tend to agree with. But um, unfortunately, that argument fell on deaf ears. Well, not deaf ears, but uh, that argument didn't stand up for the tribunal. So Ryan Manser will miss the next three matches for the Tigers. James James Sicily's rather uh, hearing is underway, trying to get his dangerous tackle on Hugh McCluggage overturned. So um, Hawthorne are pleading not guilty to that tackle. And we'll keep giving you updates uh, throughout the course of the evening. If you had a, a thought on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 To other news uh, getting around today, Brennan Gale has spoken after the serious charges laid against uh, two-time premiership player Marlon Pickett were handed down, including four counts of aggravated burglary, three counts of stealing and three counts of criminal damage in relation to an alleged theft or series of thefts um, $380,000 uh, worth uh, stolen during a string of burglaries of commercial properties. These incidents were said to have occurred uh, December 2022, in between December 2022 and January 2023. Uh, Brendan Gale gave an update on Marlon Pickett today. No, Marlon won't be available by this week. It's a decision we made um, in his best interests, his welfare and also the club. We think it's important for Marlon to be with his family and... Um, um, but having said that, uh, he'll prepare with the team, he'll train, and he'll be turning up and engaging and turning up to work. We think it's really important for him to do at this stage and for his family. And we fully expect him to play uh, against Brisbane in two weeks' time. He wanted to play, yeah. Naturally, I mean, he wouldn't expect anything else. He's a, he's a competitor. We just thought it was the right decision. It was made in his best interest. He needs to be with his family just to ride back overnight and we just had to settle things down and, you know, very mindful of his welfare and that of his family right now. So Marlon Bigot won't play uh, this week, but he also won't be stood down either by Richmond as well. So obviously a lot to play out uh, in that space and, and with that uh, very serious story uh, as well. Brendan also provided an update on where Richmond are at in their search for their coach to replace Damien Hardwick. That's a work on progress, you know. Um, so we've got some... Internal people, clearly, whose judgment I really rate and who will be involved. And we've got some external people to provide a different perspective and um, it'll be a bit of a steering process than a, than a more of a selection process. But, um, yeah, that's in train. This clearly is attributes that you want to see in all, like, sporting coaches. And um, there's some 
that are more specific to this environment and also we've got to understand where the game's evolving and how coaching is evolving and you know what that looks like in five or ten years time and um, but yeah we're making good progress you know i think more than ever probably emotional intelligence being highly intelligent having great empathy and understanding and the ability to build relationships is becoming more more and more important Brendan Gale, the Richmond CEO, and where they're at uh, with their search for a new coach. Already people calling for Andrew McWalter to be given that job. Um, but th- there are those who also point out the track record of caretaker coaches. How does it stack up? Uh, Paul Ruse, a successful premiership coach after being a caretaker. Terry Wallace initially given the job, and then that was flipped on its head, and Paul Ruse got the top job, and uh, the Swans ended up getting that flag. But uh, people point to Lee Matthews, believing that he was a caretaker coach at Collingwood. I don't know if that's exactly how that played. I think he was brought in to, to be the replacement anyway. But if you go back and have a look at the track record of caretaker coaches and how they end up uh, and how successful are they when they get the job full time, it's very similar. The analogy of the substitute teacher and then when they get the full time gig, there's a lot more that comes with that. Not saying that he's not up to it, just saying, do you fall in the camp of, well, clearly he's having an impact, giving the job. He's been building up to this. Ross Lyon loves him. Uh, Damien Hardwick loved him. The players clearly love him. He's clearly uh, got all the attributes to be a senior coach, but should it be at the Tigers and should it be after being the caretaker, given the lack of success that caretaker coaches have had? one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line uh, or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the 40 Winks temper text. Um, Mason Cox shed some light today on his podcast on the... Um, the conversation that took place uh, after the siren yesterday on the King's Birthday Clash, uh, Melbourne victorious, but there was a bit of bit going on uh, after the siren. Uh, the cameras picked up between Christian Petrarca and Mason Cox. Here's Mason's side of the story. I won't go into it too much because we've had the conversation, Track and I, after this, um, and he apologised and shook the hand. He said, apologies, you know, here at the moment, we move on. Um, oh, good, because he's, you know, words are said, whatever it is, and Max going sitting there between us as a captain in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. I didn't really expect words to be shared at the end of the game, but they were, and um, oh, it is what it is. I'm not really offended, to be honest. He just was uh, hyped up from the win, as you do get, and uh, yeah, we move on. Interesting times, uh, Mason Cox's side of that story, and Christian Petrarca has dismissed it uh, as well, saying uh, that what happens on the field stays on the field, and there's nothing to see here. Um, on the other side of the break, I want to come back. There's a bit to do with Carlton. Obviously, Sam Walsh was on SEN Breakfast today. Harry Mackay uh, has spoken as well, and David King had some um, uh, pointed words for those Carlton fans uh, in the, who behaved in the manner in which they did uh, after the game, uh, standing over the tunnel and the abuse directed towards the Carlton players. Uh, I want to bring you some of that on the other side of this. It's time now to check out what's happening in the world of greyhound racing, and joining me is Trent Langscale from GRV. Hello, Trent. Hello, dear Julian. It's terrific to have a chat with the formals of the Sportsbet Pink Diamond Series, Australia's richest regional event for greyhounds, coming up on Friday night. Trent, Victorian Greyhound Racing fans will be flocking to Oracle for 12 sensational races. They will be, Julian. The three Pink Diamond Champion Finals each have a first prize of $75,000, and there are stars in all of them. Race 6 is the Champion Distance Final, and Group 3 winner Hector Fawley is the $4 sports bet favourite, head of the promising Your Colour Room at $4.50. Group 1 winners Moraine Susie and Untapped, and $4.60, respectively. Race 8 is the champion sprinter final and rejuvenate. A winner of 18 races from 23 starts. Heads the betting at $2.20 with triple track record holder Unleash Kalinda at $3.40. 
The Gary Peach trained Silver Brute is the $2.60 favourite to defend his champion short course title in race 10 with his kennel mate and litter relation action girl not far behind at $2.70. Even though you've mentioned the three Pink Diamond champion finals, Trent, you haven't highlighted arguably the best greyhound at the meeting. Julian, Baby JC is the greyhound you are referring to. Last month's Group 1 Sapphire Crown winner is the class factor in the $25,000 to the winner Pink Diamond Rookie Sprinter Final, which is race 7. Navarino second the Baby JC in their heat at Bendigo on Friday. And Group 2 Warnable Cup place getter Cracker Jack Bull are the biggest dangers. Race 5 is the Rookie Distance Final, first prize $25,000, and it features Exploded, top two in his five career starts, and Minister Mentor, a devastating heat winner at Bendigo on Friday. Niali King has a dominant strike rate of 10 wins from 18 starts and is the feature chaser for the rookie short course final, which is race nine. Logan Park at Warragul will be a hive of pink diamond activity with outstanding greyhound racing and attractions off the track as well. Thanks for joining us, Trent, and providing us with the latest greyhound racing news. Thank you, Julian. Remember, please gamble responsibly. Greyhound Racing secures employment for more than 4,000 Victorians and you can check out all the action live and free via the Watchdog app and website. Earn and redeem reward points when you order McDelivery via the My Maccas app. Value means more at Maccas. The Maccas Run. The Maccas Run. Live on your home of sport, SEM. Yeah, I think there's um, definitely a sense that um, we're not at where we want to be as a football club and um, I think that can bring all types of feeling as a playing group when um, we feel like we're not the ones, we're the ones not getting the job done. So um, I think for everyone, you feel a little bit different, but overall, um, sense of we need to get better and um, probably going to learn. We've been learning a few hard truths um, and it's just going to work on that. Yeah, I think um, there's probably um, been, a, been a few things involved in our game. I think the one that's been constant is probably just a little bit our ability to um, pressure opposition and stand up in the big moments. Um, I think if you look at a lot of games, there's a period of 15, 20 minutes that it's really letting us down. Um, and I feel like the best teams stand up in, in those situations. And um, I think for us, um, as leaders of the club and that, we've got to keep on trying to find a way to be able to stand up in those moments and um, even create an arm wrestle and turn it back the other way because uh, we know the game is very much about momentum and um, look at a lot of those periods of times, the, the few little things have just been a step off or haven't quite um, sort of made, made the right play and then it ends up being um, a position that puts you under the pump and I think we've, we've experienced that the past couple of weeks. Carlton Vice-Captain Sam Walsh, who also says, uh, just speaking there about Carlton not being where they want to be and where it's gone wrong in his mind and the club's mind. And he also said on SEM Breakfast this morning with Gary and Tim that the players... Uh, sorry, on Waitley, with Jerry Waitley today, uh, that the players are unified. And he also spoke to how Vossi was handling the current situation. They're now 15th on the ladder, slumping to their sixth straight loss. Four of those games they've had equal or more inside 50s. Four of those games, they've had more disposals. And in four of those games, they've had equal or more scoring shots. It's just not working offensively uh, for the Blues at the moment. It is a, a major issue. Uh, whenever I get the chance, I like to uh, just give a couple of awards out. And uh, I decided at the start of the year with just this little half hour I've got, that whenever the opportunity presented to give a, a shout-out to the dumbest booing 
that I heard over the weekend uh, in commentary or just watching the game that I would like to do that. So my nominations this week for the dumbest booing uh, that I heard. Um, I'm not particularly, I'm not not necessarily anti-booing, but I but I think that sometimes you hear it and go, that makes no sense to me. So the nominees this week for the dumbest booers: uh, Western Bulldogs fans for booing Jason Horn Francis. I have no understanding why. And what on earth that has to do with you, that whole Jason Horn francis situation. You're like, the th- you're like the third person that jumps into a fight. It's got nothing to do with you, but you reckon that you're somehow sticking up for a mate. But really all you're doing is just throwing cheap shots and should never have got involved in the first place. So nomination there for the dumbest booing. Collingwood fans, you are the second nominee this week. Booing Brody Grundy. The he left us rule that we all agree is rightly um, uh, booable and is a, a good excuse for a boo and gives good theatre to footy. Doesn't really apply here. The bloke was desperate to stay. <laughs> it was Collingwood that wanted, not him gone, but his contract gone. But that's not his fault that he got paid that contract. His manager and the club do that deal. The manager was just doing his job. Collingwood's hierarchy at the time made that call in their job, and it was the wrong call. So if you're looking to boo someone, because Brody Grundy's at Melbourne now, those people aren't at your club anymore that you could probably boo, but he definitely isn't the bad guy here. He didn't actually want to go. Your club wanted to clear his contract, which they did, not entirely, of course, because you're still paying a fair chunk of it, but you are the second nominee for the dumbest booers of the week. Uh, the disgraceful abuse of the, that the Carlton players copped this week walking down to the race, that is a stain on the game uh, and on the club. That small minority needs to be weeded out, sent away, because if that's the level you stoop to, then you don't have the emotional intelligence to handle your team losing. Therefore, you don't have the emotional intelligence to, to be at football. There isn't a place for you in the game. Uh, unless you're happy for those players to turn up and abuse you in the same sort of gutless and scumbag manner with which you abuse them, when you're carrying on like that, just have a look around and see how many kids are bearing witness to that, maybe including your own. Um, it is awful, awful behaviour and has no place in the game. It would be an insult to call it childish and you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. Um, this was Harry Mackay talking about that abuse. To be honest, I, when you're walking off, I don't think it, it helps the, the greater cause if you hear abuse and and everything when you're walking off, but I guess it's part of being a professional athlete, you know, um, there's always going to be some things set over the fence, but as I mentioned before, I think it's more about the environment that we're creating for the kids and families, and um, we're big enough and ugly enough to deal with um, some things set over the fence, but yeah, we want to create a really really inclusive and um, safe environment at our games. Yeah, to be honest, you, you definitely hear it, um, and when you're walking off, I think it's a, it's a great thing to hear, understand that's the minority of supporters. Like a lot of our um, fans have been fantastic over this whole year, and um, the passion and energy they bring to games. Like there was 85,000 on a Sunday night there, um, which is amazing. So, yeah, the majority of our supporters have been fantastic. I think the minority um, in situations like that, it's more disappointing for, I guess, kids and families. You want to create an environment that's safe and everyone likes to come to the footy. So, um, seeing a minority probably do that. It's disappointing, but, um, yeah, we want to create games at Carlton that everyone feels comfortable and safe coming to. So I um, want to thank the majority for doing that. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing that a few um, jeopardise that. Their forward 50 are eighth at scores per entry, but they're 18th at goals from entry. So it's an accuracy thing. All their problems, I keep saying it, they're small problems with large ramifications. So to fix them... And I'm getting sick of the the, 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 the pile-on from, from their own. A small minority, it would be 10% of Carlton supporters. But those 10%, you know what they should do? They should ring them up and say, listen, thanks for your support over the years. Here's, here's your money back for this year's membership. We don't really need you. If you're not going to be there through the challenging times, don't, don't ride the wave when we win the thing. 
Harry Mackay first and then David King on the topic of the awful abuse that the Carlton players were subjected to as they walked off the ground. Nothing is that bad that it warrants that kind of response. Uh, this has been the Maccas Run. It's the new season, the McSpicy Range at Maccas. Uh, off the tee, our dedicated golf program is up next.